a very, very Merry Christmas uh, to everyone here. Um, hopefully you're going to get exactly what you want in the morning. Um, but here's what I, I believe more than even that, even more than I'm praying that you get what you want in the morning. I'm praying that, that you get what God has for you tonight. Because um, I, I believe you're here for a reason. Um, and, and I believe in these next few moments, God's going to speak to our heart and, and hopefully illuminate some things in, in the scriptures about this story that uh, whether you've been in church a long time or you're brand new, this is the first time you've been in church in your whole life, you probably know that Jesus came to earth and was born as a baby, that God came to earth uh, as, a, as a child. And I look around, and this is one of those services throughout the year. We only have a few of them here at Fathom where we actually take the opportunity, and the kids are all in here, and so I love that. I, I love this time we get. So kids, are you guys going to be with me? I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and I need you guys to give me answers because I know you're smarter than the adults. So let's just keep that between us. But I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going I'm to need your help. So Locke, in with me. Now, seeing these little ones just reminds me of when some of them were born. Like, you know, you look back on the Christmas, you know, pictures and Facebook helps with the feed popping up two years ago. And, and two years ago, our little Elisha had just been born and, and she was our tiniest of our three children. She was the tiniest. Look how small she was. Is she not like adorable? I don't, you just want to hold her. Guys who have not had children yet, you'll do that too. You'll do what I just did, and so it's a little bit embarrassing. You said, I'll never do that. Those guys are so soft. And then they're yours, and you're like, they're so cute. And you just lose it. But she was our tiniest one. She was like five pounds, like, uh, like uh, just under 16 pounds. See, there for a second, I forgot how many ounces are in a pound. And so I just played it off so smooth and nobody noticed. But, um, but they rounded up. They rounded up to six pounds even. And, but she was our tiniest of all of them. And as I began to think about the birth of Jesus, I, I just thought about how incredible it is and how like mind-boggling it is to understand that the eternal immortal, all-powerful, omniscient creator of the universe who spoke everything into being, like packed into the tiniest of packages that we have. Like where if you were holding the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, creator of the universe on this earth, you'd barely feel him in your hand. Like the jar, like the can or the, the jug of milk is heavier than the creator of the universe in this moment. I was just struck by that. It was just a little bit overwhelming to even wrap my brain around. And God really began to reveal to me, like there's something about this that God wants to speak to us about God revealing himself in such a tiny package. It really, when we think about a young child, there's maybe a couple things, maybe their size comes to mind. That's that, that kind of first comes to mind. But the innocence of a child. At times, maybe you get struck by something in the news or something that happens to a young child and, and you're hurt by that because they're innocent. They did nothing to deserve um, that. Well, God began to speak to me about this whole thing of size and the, the tiny God in a tiny package. And so I just want to talk to you just for a few minutes today. I promise I'm not going to keep you long. If you've got dinner plans or family, 
Um, no worries, I'm not one of them long-winded preachers. We'll see as I get older, but right now I'm not. Um, but but just want to share on God in a t- about God in a tiny package about really exploring and pursuing innocence in our own life, and and, and really living a, a life that not, not only pursues. Um, um, uh, excuse me, um, innocence, but also uh, really embraces a life of smallness. This, this true two facts about God as a tiny baby and how we might too also can learn to live small because this is the way that, that Jesus has taught us. And so I want to read from John chapter 1. Uh, and read the first 14 verses, and then really just unpack these two thoughts of pursuing innocence and really embracing and and living a life of smallness. Let's uh, begin John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. He was the pattern for all of creation, you could say. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, and so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He was only coming as a witness to the light. And the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was made in the world. And though the world was made through him, um, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to, to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be Come, children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Thank the Lord for His Word to us today. Uh, the, the thing is about this whole innocence thing, I want to talk about that for a few minutes. We live in a, in a world in which uh, there's great darkness in our world. We're exposed to it. Uh, if we were to turn off the lights in here, we would fit, uh, sense physical darkness. But if we go out into the world, are we as sensitive to spiritual darkness in our world? And it's the reality of our time, and it's the reality of the the world that Jesus was born into. It wasn't a matter of the age or the era. It was a matter of the human condition and the fall of man in the garden, Adam and Eve. And, and, And it's through this moment right here that God wants to teach us something about living in the darkness because, uh, kids, you with me? You still awake? Nobody's taking their afternoon nap, right, kiddos? So, (laughs) a couple are. Okay, no worries. Um, Hey, so he, here's the thing. Any of you, your parents ever have a moment in which they're like, you can't watch that. You're not allowed to do that. Anybody? Like, who do you hang around? Mom and dads are always wanting to know, who are you hanging around? Who are you texting? Who are you hanging out with? Even those of you that are in your late teens or early 20s, moms wanting to know who you're hanging out with. And parents, why do you do that? 
Why do you do that? Why are you always interested in what they're watching and, and, and who they're hanging out with? Because we want to protect their innocence. We feel charged to protect their innocence and for them to be around good people who will bring light into their life and not darkness. And so kids, like, listen to your parents. They're trying to help you out. They, don't, they want to protect that innocence. But let's be real adults across the room. Our innocence has long been gone. A long time ago, we may think back to a moment, we may think back to a season, an age in which we felt maybe we weren't there and parents in the room are trying to protect that innocence at all costs, but the reality is that all of us find ourselves guilty. But, but I think one of the things that we can learn from the, the life of Jesus that, that really began to speak to me, that there's more to this, is when Jesus was commissioning his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, he said, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. I'm sending you out into the darkness. I'm not keeping you in like a a protected area. I'm actually sending you to the world. So for anyone who who thinks like we're in the world, but not of the world, I I, I understand what, what you're trying to communicate, but we can't think about that in that way. I think we've got to think about it. We're not in the world, but we're called to the world. We're called to the darkness. We're called out from our comfort zone into um, a, a dark, dark world. Um, and Jesus goes on to say, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, but as innocent, as harmless as doves. And so I just want to give you a few thoughts, a few uh, maybe practices in which we can pursue innocence in our life. Because it's the whole reason that, that, we, that Jesus is who he is in our life. Savior, Messiah, is because he was innocent his entire life and lived a life of innocence. He was a pure and spotless sacrifice for us when he went to the cross. That's, that's what this is all about. Otherwise, he was just a, a cute baby that taught great stories and good ethics. If he was not the perfect, the only perfect human to ever live, the only one to maintain the purity of heart and innocence throughout every um, stretch and season of his life, and otherwise it was, it, it, it's all a sham. So how can we pursue innocence? Uh, one, I, I think we need to dwell on what's pure and lovely. We need to dwell on what's uh, pure and lovely. Kids, that's why mom and dad are always talking about what are you watching. No, no, no I'm not going to let you watch that. No, no, you can turn that off. I don't want to hear that. The one show for us had nothing to do with innocence it just drove me crazy. It was one called Yo Gabba Gabba. Kids, do you guys know about Yo Gabba Gabba? Any parents, any nannies or babysitters in the room? That's of the devil. Like, I'm just, it's of the devil. Not in today, Satan, not in my house. No Yo Gabba Gabba. Um, but let's be real. The content that we are afforded in our life, whether it's on uh, the radio, uh, we're constantly bombarded with uh, choices to make. You can flip the dial to anything, but so many times we find ourselves dwelling uh, in, in dark places and dwelling on things that, that aren't good for our soul. And that's not what this sermon's a, about, but it is about pursuing innocence. And it, it is about dwelling on what's pure and lovely. And so in, in this season, I, I would just encourage you to, to think about that. And, and when maybe you've been dwelling on all the negative that's gone down this year. 
You've been dwelling on everything negative that you've done. Everywhere you missed the mark um, as a spouse or an employee or as a parent, you're you're just dwelling on that. And and I just believe in the next few moments, God's going to give you a moment to just break that off, receive his forgiveness and, and, and receive who he calls you and so that you can dwell on what's pure and lovely. Paul talks about this in Philippians 4, 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's noble and, and uh, whatever is tr- true and whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these such things. So if you've been dwelling on negativity about yourself, dwelling on negativity about somebody else, about the world, Right? There's been a lot of negative in the world. It's like we didn't happen to 2018. 2018 happened to us, and we're just trying to survive it. You know what I mean? That's a, how a lot of people feel in, in this year. So we need to dwell if we're going to pursue innocence. Uh, the second thing I'd say is we've got to forgive quickly. <laughs> Nothing will begin to break up your innocence than resentment and, and unforgiveness that you're holding in your heart. Paul really urged the church, and he said, don't even let a night go down on your anger. And I'd say you, the same thing about unforgiveness. We cannot afford to move any further from this room that we're in with unforgiveness in our heart. I don't care who it is. Jesus' followers, had, they asked him one time, like, how many times should I forgive my brother? Anybody got somebody you had to forgive? A bunch. Taryn, raise your hand because it's me. You have to forgive me all the time. Um, you had to forgive him. And, and Jesus' response is 70 times 70. And kids, here's some math. How, what's 70 times 7? Huh? So close. So close. Anybody else? Nope, not quite. A little help from the back. <laughs> So close. What is it? 490. Was Jesus saying anything about 490 times to forgive someone? No, he wasn't. In Hebrew culture, um, the, number of, the number seven was a number of completion. Jesus was saying, you need to forgive them as many times as it takes. A complete amount of time. Just keep on forgiving. Because you know how many times God forgives you? Every single time every single time. And I don't know what's went down in your life this year. I don't know what's gone on. I don't know what someone said to you. I don't know who left you. I don't know who hurt you. This year or 20 years ago, I don't know if it was a spouse. I don't know if it was a sibling. I don't know if it was a pastor at some point in your life that hurt you. But Jesus was really big on this. What's up, sweetie? You're just going to walk, go find your mama. She's cute. She's not that little baby anymore. She's got sass now. So, um, But Jesus was really big on this unforgiveness thing. He doesn't really say this about anything else. But he says, unless you want to be forgiven, if you want to be forgiven by your father, then you need to forgive others. Unforgiveness impacts your relationship with God. And I can tell you this from the word of God, and it's 100% true, but I can tell you from my heart and experience the gospel written on flesh that it's true. 
until I began to break off the bondage of unforgiveness in my life. People who had hurt me, people who said things about me. I felt like there was a blockade. Jesus's words were true in, in my life too. And I'm guessing they're true in yours. And I get it. Forgiveness is hard, but don't let it go down because it'll, it'll rip that innocence out of your life. And we can't be who God's called us to be um, when we're not pursuing innocence. The third thing I'd say is to act justly. We pursue innocence and, and purity in the world when we seek to do the right thing all the time because it's the right thing. Uh, just this past weekend, I, I read a story of a guy who was in New York City, and he was out on the subway station, and uh, he was walking. I don't know if you heard this story. He was walking on the subway station, and he sees a Chanel purse. All the ladies say, hey you know. <laughs> he sees a Chanel purse, and he walks up on it, and he picks it up, um, and he looks inside to see if uh, there's identification or something, and, and he sees a note written in Russian. So it's like, if I do find this person, I'm probably not going to be able to communicate with him, but he reads this note. He has no idea what it says. And he looks down beneath the note, and there's $10,000 cash. Everybody said, it's Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, God is good. There's favor on the subway, you know? And so uh, what do you think he did with that purse? What would you do with that purse if you're honest with yourself? Well, he took it to the nearest police station like every good citizen should. He took it to the nearest police station and turns out it was the same police station that a young lady who was taking a trip to Russia uh, had uh, reported that her purse was lost and missing and she got it back. And everybody's applauding like, oh, he did the right thing. We want to live in the same city and on the same street with that guy. But the reality, are we as convicted when we don't do the right thing, when we don't live a life of integrity, when we're dishonest, would we want to live on the same street as us? And the truth is we don't. And so many times because of our lack of action, because our dishonesty, we carry unforgiveness against ourself. We carry negativity against our, ourself. But he, here's the thing. God, in his perfection, forgives us right where we're at. And he gives us an opportunity and invites us in to do justice and to bring light into the dark place that we live in. I mean, every single one of you, when you heard that story, you just felt a little better about yourself. You're like, we do. Everybody's not a terrible person. Because I think sometimes if we, if we get all of our headlines out of the news and, and maybe some of those things, we'll just think everybody's terrible. In Micah uh, 6, 8, it says, what does the Lord require of you, Israel, but to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly? to act justly. So we need to do what's right. That's how we pursue innocence, is by doing what's right all the time, by treating people the right way with respect and div uh, dignity as a child of God, born into this world, same flesh and blood that we have. Um, the second aspect I want to talk about is not just pursuing innocence in our life, but but living a life of smallness. I know that sounds funny. Maybe that's a peculiar way to put it. I don't even know if that's like uh, the liter literary correct way to do it. Smallness. I just liked it. So we're just going to go with it. How do, we, how do we practice smallness in our life? Hey, kids, have you guys ever heard this phrase that big things come in tiny packages? Have you guys ever heard this? All right, so help me out, kids in the room. Was that my son? Yeah, I think it was. 
So help me out, kids in the room. What is a big present or, or something expensive or something that's a great present that comes in a tiny package? Anybody? A DS Nintendo. That's what I'm talking about. What else? I love it. That sounds like so much fun. Especially if there's steak involved in that. What'd you say? A new video game I really want is a big thing in a small package. Diamonds, watches, cash fits into a small little envelope. Big things come in small packages. And never, never has that been more true than when the God of the universe came to this earth in a seven-pound, five-ounce baby. Never has that been more true that we receive such a large gift. Um, Paul talks about it like this in Philippians 2, 5, 8. He says, in your relationships with another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus chose smallness while he lived on this earth, not just in his birth, but by the way he lived. In three, three specific ways, I think that we need to, to practice and we need to understand how we can practice this smallness too, because Jesus was laying out an example for us when he sat with tax collectors, when he washed his disciples' feet. He was setting an example of how we too are to live by not pursuing power and authority, but saying, the only authority I have is that which has been given to me by the Father. How do we practice smallness? First, I believe we've got to discover our true identity in Christ. The next couple of things I'm going to say, you cannot do unless you've discovered your true identity in Christ. I'm not talking about your religious identity. I'm not talking about who everybody knows you to be, uh, the morality that you carry. No, 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 that's not identity in Christ. Identity is in Christ is buried deep within your soul. And what I have found is with every passing season, I realize that God wants to drill deeper and deeper into the earth because God is building up in his church. He is fitting us all together to be a great shining light and example of his love and his grace. And so everything that happens in our life, it's another opportunity to go further with our identity in Christ. I always think that I've achieved it. Honestly, every year I'm like, oh, I'm like deeper in my identity in Christ and nothing can shake that. And then something happens, a season happens, and God is like, we're going to go a little bit deeper this year. And I'm like, I thought I was deeper already. But man, that's the best part. If you'll just embrace it in 2019, just embrace that God wants to take you deeper in your identity with him. I think it'll allow us, it'll bring so much joy, first of all, because that's the joy of life is going deeper in our identity with Christ. But it's also going to allow us to, to begin to do the next couple of things I'm going to talk about. I remember when I was 
um, a young man, a teenager. I just really understood the grace of Jesus um, in my kind of mid-teenage years. And I remember uh, uh, reading a verse at that time that was so formative to me because I carried so much shame and baggage about um, uh, the lack of morality that I had carried, um, the lies I had lived. I carried so much baggage with me, and I just felt like, I can't do this. You ever felt like that? <laughs> like in your career as a parent or grandparent, you just spouse, I can't, I just can't do this. Like, or even as a leader in the church or volunteer, I just can't, I'm over it. And I read this verse in Galatians 2.20 that said, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me and through me. That kind of just solved it for me. This whole riddle, like, I can't do it, that scripture said, I don't have to do it. That's identity in Christ, is knowing that it ain't dependent on me, it's dependent on Jesus. And, and once we have that confidence that's not in ourselves, but it's in Christ, then we can do these two things to practice smallness and be a light in the world. The first one is to practice, or the second one, is to practice restraint. This is so hard. How you guys been doing with those sweets, practicing restraint? I, I, ran a, I ran a half marathon with like all these obstacles a couple weeks ago, and so I wasn't eating any sugar, and I was really taking care of my body really well before that. As soon as that thing happened, I have been indulging, and restraint has not been a word I've said. I've typed it for this message, but I have not <laughs> practiced it when it came to sugar. I'm sure come January 1st, we all going to practice restraint. But I think today, like tonight, like this week, we can begin to practice restraint in our lives. Jesus talked about this a lot. He talked about this a lot to the religious crowd who were really proud of how good they could pray. They were really proud of of what they gave. They they even wanted to show off when they fasted. Like that's kind of a lame thing to brag about, but (laughs) whatever. They were doing it. And Jesus called them out and he said like, stop. Like, stop thinking you're going to impress me with all this stuff. And I just wonder by the way we talk about ourselves, by the attention we want to bring to ourselves, who are we trying to impress? What's our purpose in that? And the purpose of Jesus teaching us to practice restraint is not something that he just taught us. He lived it. He practiced restraint when they were beating him and he had an opportunity to defend himself. And let's be real, anytime we get a chance to defend ourselves, I would love to defend myself. You know what I mean? I want to I tell you why I think I'm right. Anybody else? Like I, I know I want to defend. And Jesus chose not to. Silent among his accusers, he practiced restraint, but he, he taught us because it wasn't supposed to be about us. But I think we can begin to live this out. We can, we can choose restraint and not talking about everything we've done. Not trying to bring the attention, whether it's on social media or in your own family, to bring the attention to ourselves. When we practice restraint, we practice smallness. And it gives way for the light of God to be shown through us. Uh, yesterday uh, in my sermon, I talked about the shepherds and, and the re- one of the reasons God chose the shepherds is because they didn't steal the headline. 
other religious folks that Jesus could have, or God could have chosen to announce his birth and arrive, they would have stolen the headlines. But nobody was amazed at who it was. They, had, they were amazed at the message that the Savior had come. So we too can, can practice restraint in talking uh, in, in our life and practice restraint in talking about our giving and, and maybe how spiritual we are or what's going right for us. And we can, one of the phrases we've adopted here is, we want to be interested, not interesting. We want to be interested, not interesting. It's not about us. We want to be interested in other people's stories so that we can share the gospel with their life. And so maybe that's a nugget for you as well. And then finally, um, we can just diligently serve in small ways. We see Jesus living a life of service at every turn, just looking for an opportunity to serve. And let's be real. When it comes to Christmas, we're thinking about other people, but there's something you'd like to find under the tree for you. You're thinking about you too. Like you, you know what I mean? There's something you've had your eye on. I feel like that's a tough thing for me a lot of times, come up with what I want because I, like, I don't need anything. I'm good. But, but oftentimes, uh, on a day like that, we relax. And I, and I think it's such a great time for us to engage serving in small ways making the most, setting practices when your schedule's slower. When I was a, an athlete, which was a long time ago, uh, when I was an athlete, uh, the coaches would always say, we practice like we play. And I think in these holiday seasons, what we practice doing when our schedule's slower will repeat when it's busier. It's, times to develop, it's time to develop better habits. So if you're getting some time off this week, develop some good habits and practice smallness by diligently serving in small ways. I, I love Mother Teresa's uh, old quote that we can do no great things. We can only do small things with great love. I know smallness is not that exciting. You were probably hoping for something more grandiose, weren't you? Um, but I think there's, there's something to this. And, and you may say, like, why, why would I practice this? Why, why would I want to be small? Don't I want to be powerful? Don't I want to be successful? Don't I want to find my way into a spotlight? Don't I want everyone to know about me? I think, I think John replied best to that in John chapter 3, just after, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. In John 3, 27, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. Uh, The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. And it is now complete because he must become greater and I must become less. That is what smallness. Why do it? So that he can become greater. How can God become greater? He can't really, but he can be glorified in our actions. He can be glorified in our actions. And in that way, he is made greater in our lives and his light is illuminated in our world. This whole sermon is probably best summarized in the quote of a lady by, by the name of uh, Diane uh, Fangberg, uh, who's, uh, Langberg, excuse me, who's a, a, a psychologist, PhD, said, God who is Im- immeasurable came to us in a very tiny package. And if we would allow him, we too must be willing to be small and learn the lesson of restraint in order to bring light and life to others. So I just wonder what would look different in our life, like what would have to change in order for us to pursue innocence 
maybe we realize that we, we should be on the naughty list. And that's the whole thing with Santa Claus theology. And I said this yesterday, I'm thankful that Santa Claus isn't theology, like our theology because we'd all be in trouble. Um, because we'd all be um, on the naughty list. Um, but there's still good news. There's good news because God sent his son to die for us. And he lived a perfect, spotless, innocent life so that we could know life and know it to the fullest. And he lived a life of restraint, never wanting to draw attention to himself. Even uh, in the Gospel of Mark, constantly telling people, don't tell anyone about me. Shocking. But I wonder what would be different in our life when we begin to pursue innocence. I wonder what would be different in a room full of people in our world if we began to practice smallness. I wonder if the light of God might just shine brighter in this world. I believe it would. Um, If there's anyone in this room and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'd love to, to get an opportunity to talk with you, to pray with you today, to pray that God would meet you right where you're at. And you don't need me for that. I'm not like some kind of special conduit. God meets you right where you're at. If you've been running from God for a long time or if you've just never said yes to following him with your whole heart, then today can be that day. It's as simple as admitting that you're a sinner, confessing um, that you need and believe in, in, in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, confessing that with your lips and telling somebody that this great act has taken place. It's not by any works that we can do. It's only by the grace of God that we receive the greatest gift, the gift of salvation. Uh, I want to close in prayer, uh, and then I would love to uh, invite you to stand. We're going to pass out some candles, and uh, parents, if you'll help with the children um, to not set anything on fire, that'd be amazing. Um, but we are, are going uh, to pray, uh, and then we're going to pass out candles. So you just give us a moment to get these all passed out and lit, and we're going we're gonna to sing uh, one last song and then uh, release you to have an amazing Merry, Merry Christmas. So can we pray first? Can we stand uh, and pray? God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I I, I thank you for kind of a random thought of just meditating and perceiving, God, how incredible it is that you came and you revealed yourself through a child, through an infant. God, I pray for every heart in this place, if they don't know you, that in these next few moments, as we sing, as we share, as we pray, God, that they would receive the free gift of salvation. Nothing they've got to clean up, nothing they've got to change. Just receive right now and you will do the work for them as we follow you. God, I pray across this room that that this would be a group, this would be a people right now that begin to pursue innocence and, and dwelling on what's pure and lovely and no longer dwelling on the former negative things. God, we'd be people that in this moment we would forgive whoever has hurt us. We know that person that's come to our mind in this moment, God, we just bring them to you and release them to you because we want a right relationship with you, God. We want to grow in our relationship with you. God, I thank you for the gospel that none of us are on the nice list. None of us can be called sons of God without the the free gift of salvation and the work of what Jesus did at the cross and his resurrection. We thank you for that today. In Christ's holy name, amen.